Gabe. Adam. Who's on the show today? Ooh, I think it's Matt Waldbaum. I was looking at my schedule. Like we're we're like so far ahead of things that I have a schedule of shows to be released. That's dumb. <laughs> Sorry again that I did not come to uh, Barber. I had to maintain familial relationships at home. So and my car wasn't done because cars are stupid. So it would be, would be a lot easier if I brought my car to Fields. About well, FB Autosport could have fixed it, and I could have been there. Well, I mean, and that's like that's not sucks just to suck a, to be me though. Yeah, empty talk. That would actually happen if you just. Did it? Yeah, I'm aware they were there, right? I think so. And uh, yeah. Fields was there. FB with... Autosport can also uh, put all of our listeners in WRL cars, probably. That's. I think that's absolutely true. But, yeah, we had a good call with uh, with Rob Fields the other day, and um, I can't believe how many cars they have. Like, it's there's a lot of super unique cars too. They they've kind of got a car for like anything. Uh, that I would want to do. So I need to make some money to uh, actually drive. I could have been at that barber day. You uh, could have driven a Fiat X19. That's the, that's the car that I probably, I've never driven one of those. I actually really do want to drive one. Um, I've always liked the body lines of it. And I believe it was my first Hot Wheels or Matchbox car when I was a little kid. So Is that really? Yeah. Yeah, it was either a Fiat X19 or a Citroen something. Citroen, Citroen, whatever, but I'm pretty sure it was a Fiat. I had a bunch of like weird ones that my uncles gave me. I don't know where they came from, but yeah. So the Definitely other car that, cars. Have, uh, that I think is really cool is that Z4M Roadster. Yeah, good track day car. TT car. I have never, car. I've never driven yeah. one. I'd like to. We just got an email from somebody today about one of those in Time Attack, I believe. So, um, could be a good Club TR car, um, unless it's got an M motor. Yeah, well, there's a, bu- there's a bunch of different. Uh, uh, I don't know anything about BMW Roadsters, but um, anyway, FB Autosport. What's their website? That's uh, fbautosport.com. Mm-hmm. Want to rent a car? We need some car prep. We need to build a car. We need to do whatever. They can probably make it happen if you're in the Midwest. You want to arrive and drive? They got that too. Yeah, I've talked. I've literally, and I've said it a bunch of times. I've literally talked about it with Rob for a couple of years. And I just haven't pulled the trigger because, like, you know, organizing the events hard, hard enough to do, and then I got to make them make the uh, the car go to Ohio, and so they can make it go somewhere else. I'm like, I don't have time to go to Ohio. But if you want to have more fun than me, fbautosport.com probably the ticket. Uh, they're enjoying yourself more than I'm enjoying myself right now. The race season is coming up. They've got uh, grid life, a number of events on the calendar as also uh, WRL, but mm-hmm. they're, um, they're considering all avenues. So if, if you have an interest in FB Autosport uh, preparing a car, you should reach out to them. Yep. We've got a good team over there building cars. If you, uh, if you've seen some of the stuff in the paddock that they have built, uh, you'd be very impressed. I'm, that's half of the reason that I asked them about it a couple of years ago. I'm like, man, this thing is amazing. Just looking at Colton's old GLTC car, like, the car was incredible. So really talented people over there. And if uh, if you need assistance in the program that you want to run, they'd probably be uh, great people to have in your corner. And if you do give them a call, you should tell them we sent you. Welcome back to the Slip Angle Podcast. This is number six for a Saturday, January 14th. We're at Barber Motorsports Park, and I'm sitting next to uh, perennial frontrunner Matt Walbaum. What's going on, buddy? Doing all right. How about yourself? I'm getting along here. I'm like... Uh, Staying warm here in the uh, yeah, timing the, building. The, the timing building is super, super nice, and it's cold outside, and so I'm like hanging out here. The sun's going down, and 
uh, there are lots of cars on track. Like, yikes, that's a lot of cars. I think this is a mix of like beginner and intermediate. So we've got just kind of open free for all right now. End of the day. So um, time's kind of a blur. Mm -hmm. How many seasons have you raced in GLTC? Is it one or two? Just the one, just last year. So you started like right away at NCM, I think. Coda. Oh, geez, sooner than that. Um, So give me a little bit of background about how you you got into cars. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I think, I mean, kind of get drawn in by parents. I mean natural for them to be into it and then you're just kind of following in their footsteps my parents were always like thought cars are cool had cool cars around the house mustangs my mom had like a little volkswagen beetle that she loved um and one day we were like sitting on the couch watching tv and there's an infomercial for bondurant racing school on and my mom's like oh that would be a cool thing to do my dad walks to the other room and comes back he'd already like bought the certificate for this thing (laughs) and just so happened that that infomercial was on at that time so he's like we're going to do this thing um, so they went and did it. And that set the hook for like, okay, I want to build a car. But this was like you were young? And this, this wasn't even me yet. So I'm like, I would have been like three or four or five at that point. Oh, wow. Uh, probably four or five because I remember. How old are you now? I am 30 now. Okay. So they, that sets the hook in them. They start wanting to do more things. My mom builds a Cobra to go racing with SCCA. Um, we go down to like Heartland Motorsports Park. She starts doing her first HPDEs. And my dad's like starting to look for a car. He had actually looked for... He was looking at an NSX that day, like a, an original NSX, like beautiful car. And the guy goes, okay, I want to take it out for one more time. He goes out, spins, puts it in the wall. This is back when like the, the front straight was uh, the drag strip at Topeka. Oh, puts sure. it in the wall and it burns to the ground. Oh, dude. So he almost had like a beautiful like low mile NSX that he was going to try to turn into a race car. But but then it burned down. But he ended up in a 944, which is <laughs> different. Bane of most track days. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so... They, they started getting super into it. I would go to the track, hang out with them, and eventually they got a few carts that we would take out to the track. Not at karting tracks, more at uh, uh, Mid-America Motorplex, which is now known as Raceway Park of the Midlands, just a RPM. little track outside yeah. of Omaha. Okay. Where I grew up. And we'd run them out round out there, but a lot of long straightaways in a cart that's meant for kind of tight and twisties. And so I um, spent a lot of time in carts, playing like video games that would go alongside that, like you think Gran Turismo, Forza Motorsports... So that just like peaked interest more and more, continued to get into cars and got introduced to autocross. And that was like the start of actually like driving cars. Like, uh, like when, when did you start doing autocross competitively? Um, so I think it was 15. Cause you're allowed to, I think you're allowed to start when you're 15. Okay. Um, you might have to have a parent ride with you. Um, but growing up in Omaha, like the, the national championship site is in Lincoln, which is 45 minutes away. Sure. So like going to that first event, big site, really high speed courses. I'm like, this is awesome. Like it's yeah, right. completely sold from then on out and so for last I don't know like 15 years that's kind of what I've been doing like super like pretty competitively okay so like um, if you're if you're competing at, are you competing at nationals essentially every year I had been there I took a few years off when I went to college and I was doing um, two years of, of work at, in Chicago where I was working crazy hours and it didn't make sense to take the time off um, but I, would, I did a bunch before I went to college and then I did last four or five years and I've been on the podium for the last few trips I've been to been to nationals and a few different classes so okay like what classes um, E Street I think I was I think I finished fourth third and second over a number of years and then SSC um, not this year but the year before SSC's like BRZs and FRZs yeah right? it's like a spec class what's E Street like what cars compete well it's almost like spec Miata so it's like NB Miatas and MR2s okay. 
Okay. Like a little bit of differences, but they're all pretty close. Okay. Um, and then, uh, again, the, there's got to be some transition here between autocross and being a wheel-to-wheel racer. Like, yeah. how did you... W- what's the next step? Yeah. I mean, there were, there were track days mixed in there. So my mom actually ran Raceway Park of the Midlands, which was Mid-American Motorplex when she ran it. And so and she still actually does a lot of stuff at tracks around nebraska in terms of like the intro course like you want to come learn to drive your car on the track and like, you have to take her course to get like your credential like i can do the open lapping days at this track okay and so she would always do that so i would come out and i would get lap time that way so I'd, there's plenty of like track time in there but it was never like a formal like time attack event or a sure. wheel to wheel um so we did that i did a similar school to like the bondurant school that she did all, all of us kids like growing up like that was like when you turn 16 you're doing this you're gonna go learn to drive a car at the limit so like you know what happens. So that you know how to handle a car? Yeah. How many brothers and sisters did you have? Uh, I have two brothers and a sister. Okay. And everyone, all the kids uh, learned to drive? Sister didn't, but... Okay. Okay. But um, do your brothers also drive competitively? Um, they're, so they're super into cars, but the, the road course, wheel-to-wheel type stuff didn't bite them quite as hard. No. Um, so my middle brother, Jared, is super into... Like, he's actually working at a shop now that does a lot of, like, Hellcat stuff, like, high-horsepower Lamborghinis and... Um, so he's more into like really high horsepower kind of straight line stuff. I mean, he, okay. he would love to, he loves to come out and do this stuff too, but that's kind of like what's bit him so far. Okay. Um, and then my oldest brother, his Tesla model three, he loves like taking off from stoplights with, um, <laughs> but I mean, he, he got busy with life and family and kids. And, sure. But he, I mean, we're all like super into cars. Like if we were walking down the street and like Bugatti drives by, we're all going to be like tongues hanging out looking the other way. Yeah. There was that Sharon at uh, uh, NJMP. That one was nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you're you're doing track days. Um, you're maybe maybe growing up a little bit in the process. Um, when did you? Was it was it like a, a quick transition from track days to wheel to wheel, or like was was? I'm sorry that yeah, I don't know. Actually, yeah. was GLTC your like your introduction to wheel to wheel, or yeah. were you competing before then? So yeah, that was like the intro. But I guess the, the stepping stone there was pandemic hits. I'm not gonna be able to go autocrossing or go to track days. Like I'm gonna buy my sim gear. I buy all the sim gear. Get super into iRacing. Start racing with a lot of the people that are doing GLTC, having a great time. Like it's a social thing to spend time with your buddies when you couldn't really spend time in person. The competitive nature was great, and so they convinced me to come to Mid Ohio. Not last year, the year before. Should be twenty, and, right? Yeah, it would have been twenty. And came out, and I was just running my FRS in like HPD because I couldn't even get a time attack ticket because it was too late. Yeah. And was having a blast. Just had an aim in the car, chasing my own lap times. And then I watched GLTC run, and it was, like, the obvious, like, this is the best club racing product there is. Like, this is what I'm doing. Like, I hadn't figured it out, but, like, that was it. And yeah. I'd always had this idea in my head, I'm going to autocross with SCCA. I'm going to slowly move into whatever the road course racing program is. Because I grew up, like, watching runoffs, going to runoffs. And to me, that, that was, like, Runoffs is still a wicked program. Yeah. It's still a wicked, definitely a wicked program. But it, it just has its differences, right? Yeah. There's, like, many different classes versus, like, everyone in GLTC. If, like, you want to run wheel-to-wheel in grid life, you have to be in that one group. I like that, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that I'm, like, biased, but, like, I do like it simplifies things a lot because now everybody's just, they're all here. Yep, yep. Um, so figured that out that I wanted to do it, but the next step was figuring out how do I do the car. So I'm living, at this point, downtown Chicago, like, my car is in a semi-public, semi-private parking garage, just a street FRS. Like, I don't have room for a truck. I don't have room for a trailer. So I'm like, how do I figure this out? It needs to be some sort of, like, arrive and drive type situation. 
um, and it solo Nats that year. Uh, Andy Smedegard and Tom O'Gorman were coming to drive with the NSX. With the NSX, yeah, and they were paddocked with us because they were like local Chicago, Wisconsin people because we all kind of paddocked together. Sure. And I like, talked to Andy after seeing like everything that they had at the at the event because I think they do a good job. Like ASM does a great job marketing themselves and making them feel like way bigger than they actually are. And then you go to see Andy shop and it's like a much smaller like kind of family run thing. Yeah. So like I started talking to him like what would it take to build a car? What would it take to kind of do all this and how like support to get everything done and he's like well I actually just bought an S2000 that had a really good cage and has nothing else in it like would you want it and that's kind of how it all got kicked off okay so um, prior to that did you have experience with that chassis or do you have a lot of real drive experience or like how did you know that you wanted an S2 um, I mean it was kind of like a proven product for what like Tom and Andy were already doing in the series like it's, it can be competitive maybe like I hadn't been around the series enough to know like what the optimization around the rules really would be like what is the best car but like clearly they're running at the front like this is at least like a really solid answer for what what can be done but i had i had never driven an s2000 and i never had driven a honda and anger before this car what what were you driving previously um so miatas i had the frs i had a mazda speed 3 when i was in high school that i was autocrossing um, and then I would just, I was a little bit of a car whore. I mean, I would co-drive with a lot of people at autocross events because I, I would do decently well. And then people would say, oh, like, you want to co-drive with me? And they could, like, benchmark themselves. Oh, sure, sure. Um, and, and honestly, that was, like, a great period of time. Like, I met so many, like, really awesome, generous people that were willing to say, hey, come drive my thing. Like, hang out in paddock. And, like, some of my best friends came out of that. So you go to Coda last year yep. is your first event. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, I'm sure you had maybe a few butter excuse me butterflies, but like what what are you feeling in that weekend? You get there, you like you, now you're like in it. Are you thinking I just hope I don't screw up or like tell me about it? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, so the, the first event we actually did with the car was here. It was last year at the same event. Yeah. So this was like the shakedown, like make sure this is the event for everybody. And we we definitely broke a lot of things. Like we went to the Mid Pond Drift Track that's here in, in Birmingham, and we broke like. Fuel pump died. Um, we're having misfire issues. Um, we had maybe an ABS fault at one point, or we didn't even have ABS in the car at that point. We had a brake pedal. We were like adjusting and playing around with getting in the right position. We broke a ton of things and then got to Coda and everything seemed to be fine. But getting to Coda, I think doing this event here and like being out with some of the similar cars and like having them around you is a big help. But getting to Coda, there definitely were nerves. Like I don't want to go out and like look like a fool. Like you want to go out and like build a reputation of the people around you that they trust you who's on sure. track. Um, so there definitely like were nerves there. And part of choosing Coda was like, look at all the paved runoff. Yeah, that's so, true. Like it wasn't originally on my list. I wasn't really thinking about it. And then I thought more like on, if I'm going to have my first weekend, if I ever feel uncomfortable, like you can bail, you can go just off into some other paved area of the world. That, that is true. I hadn't really thought about it that way. So I thought like, even though it's an expensive, it's a long trip for most people. Like it made a ton of sense for me to come out and have that be the first event. And I never, I never felt uncomfortable, and I think a lot of the iRacing stuff translated, not necessarily car control or driving, which I think that stuff helps, but just keeping an eye on your mirrors and having a sense of where cars are and how to leave space for that car next to you. I think that stuff transferred, like, so well. Okay. Um, so you're, you're making your way through your first event. Uh, I'm sure there were things that happened that maybe surprised you or, like, things that you weren't in the moment you weren't perfectly mentally prepared for. How do you deal with with the stuff that just comes up on the fly? Um, Yeah, I think of stuff that even took a while after that event to get used to is like just the the starting procedure and how you like best optimize kind of like getting up behind someone and 
like what you should be paying attention to in terms of like the flag versus like the gap of the car in front of you. Um, I think the biggest help though for anything that's like I'm, I'm uncertain about is I can talk to Tom or Andy or Zach or people that have been doing it for a little bit longer and get yeah. that perspective. So that's been super helpful. Um, I'm trying to think of other things that might have been a surprise that weekend. I think there were like little things that you take for granted, like getting into the car. Like I've gotten into street cars my entire life and like I've autocrossed cars and like you, you can just get in the car, put the seatbelt on, you drive away. Yeah. Like getting into a race car, you need to like, there's kind of like a steps of getting in. Like you need to make sure the belts are folded back so when you get in the car, you're not like struggling to find them behind yourself. Um, the radio cable's in the right spot. You can get the window net and there's like an order of the way everything's done. And I like just wasn't ready for some of that when you're like on grid and like five minutes you need to get in the car. Are, are you really like a process and procedures guy or a like little, how, a little I mean, bit, not necessarily process and procedures, but like a little OCD on random things where like, I want to double check that the hood is latched. Like before I get in the car, that's the last thing I'm going to check. Cause it's like the hood flopping open would be like the dumbest thing not to have checked. Yeah. Or like the passenger <laughs> door, make sure that's fully closed. Cause you like go out for the formation lap and all suddenly it flops open cause you were doing something in the passenger seat. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so, um, the first event, I, I don't remember where you finished, but like consistently, you're you've been a top ten runner for as long as I can remember. So, how did you finish that first weekend? Um, I don't remember exactly how I placed that weekend. In the last race, I finished fifth. I think in the first race, I'd finished tenth. Um, so somewhere in the top ten or so, I think is how, is how I finished it. Um, but it was like a huge success. I mean, the, my goal for the weekend was like bring the car home with no scratches on it. Like, didn't don't do anything stupid, and was like super pleased with, with the pace and how everything kind of shook out. And right. There were things we still needed to work on with the car. And were you um, were you like gold pass at that time already or were you yeah. like so you just you just jumped in? Yeah. I mean I was when the car was getting built I'm like I'm not building this car and going to do like two races. That seems silly. Like, let's okay. let's do this and do it right. And I'd, be, I'd been saving for a long period of time kind of autocrossing cheap cars and so I'd like built up some savings like let's go do this thing. Sure. So um, in this first year I'm interested to know which race you were most proud of and why. Tell me the story. Most proud of? Um, that's a good question. There was like, there's like a number of moments throughout the year, so I don't know if it's something to name one. Pick one. Anyone. Um, I think like the biggest breakthrough when I was like, like most excited after a race was like at NCM. I don't even remember which race it was. It might have been race one, it might have been race two. But I just like got to this point where I was way more comfortable in the car and driving it like an inch off of someone's bumper. Like I remember going into turn one, that like right left chicane, and just sucking right up to Austin Hurdle's bumper. And like I'm like, if I'm not touching him, there's nowhere to put paper between it. And I felt like <laughs> completely comfortable doing it. Yeah. And that was cool to have that moment of like, it's I'm, working. I'm in I, it. I, yeah. I actually know what I'm doing here. That's cool. So it's not even like the results or anything that came of it. It was just like in that moment, I'm like, this is, I, I sort of know what I'm doing. So, uh, you know, since then, and like kind of through your first year as, as a driver in, in our series, how do you think you've like developed and matured? What do you, what are your areas that you like want to grow and get better? Um, I mean, I've definitely grown as a driver, like being able to get in the car and like pick up the pace right away. There was last year, like from Coda to NCM, it like slowly grew. Like I would every weekend get in the car, be like, okay, let's do a few kind of cautious laps, make sure everything's there. And by the end of the year, like, I could get in and be like, okay, I can just go push right away. I sort of know where the boundary is. Like, to further that, though, I would like to be able to get in the car after those practice laps and, like, go into qualifying and lap one, like, just do it. 
I think someone like Tom is like phenomenal at doing that. Like he gets in the car, he goes does one flying qualifying lap, and he comes in. Like yeah. When the rest of us out there, we like we need a few to kind of like correct the few mistakes we had. We use a relative to kind of correct on those things and see where okay. we can get better. So that like t- walk me through because I I think the um, the multidisciplinary nature of a GLTC weekend is mm-hmm. really interesting, right? You get the time to practice and shake down and set up the car. Uh, qualifying is its own animal, and then you have racing to do. Yep. So, like, uh, as you're preparing for a qualifying session, tell me about, like, your method of execution. It's like, you go in, you buckle up, you go out. How do you approach that first lap? How do you regroup if it doesn't go the way you want? Yeah. Um, and I think it, it progressed some during the year, and this could go back to, like, things that surprised me in terms of, like, qualifying. Because um, the time attack events that I had done, like, it was very easy to create gaps, and there'd be like there's room on track for everyone. You're not going to catch the person in front of you because you kind of got gridded by um, speed. By speed, and so there was adjustments in terms of like creating a big enough gap, or like maybe you're catching like the tail end of the field because you're out there with 60 cars, like you only fit so many cars out there. Right. Um, so I always thought like I can put in a banker lap and then slowly ease up the pace. So, like maybe lap three is the one. But I think in most GLTC qualifying sessions by lap three you're probably catching someone or the tail of the field or like something's or so maybe someone got to grid late and they've come out and like catching them that way um so i think the big change like is just like need to go for it on lap one like there's a risk with like you could screw it up and then you're like you have to throw that lap away and lap two and three when you actually catch people like that needs to be the lap that counts sure um or like you go and do the two. One thing I started doing at the end of the year is like I would go do one or two laps and then I would come back, and like then I would like sit in the sit in the pits, let the car cool down, let the tires cool down, and then go back out and, and try to do another lap. Now, are you, um, you know, it, in the car in that situation? Are you like trying to pay attention to what the other cars are doing by watching Race Monitor or Race Hero, or are you just like are you just like mentally focused on yourself and then you go back out? Um, after I come in, someone will tell me the times. And I think that's actually changed from autocross, where, like, I would go to the line and I would blast music. Because I don't want to hear what the announcer's saying. I don't want to hear what the other time... Because like, I have my plan in my head of what I'm going to go do. Sure. And I don't know if it's a difference between like, road course racing, where you have maybe more shots on goal. You can do another lap if one fails. Sure. You could back off a lap, let the car cool down, and go for it again. Um, but I'll check and see. And it helps you inform, like, how, like if the gap ahead of me is 1.5 seconds, like, maybe I'm not making up that gap. But I can see, okay, the person behind me is 0.5 back, so I only need to pick up a few tents and maybe create that gap. Extra safe, yeah. Um, what about, how do you feel about the um, uh, some of the uh, f- competition format changes for 2023? Uh, like, There's uh, a few nuances associated with making GLDC, uh, I think, extra spicy. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about it? Um, I mean, it'll definitely be different. Like going through qualifying not really knowing how things are shaking out will be an, an interesting thing a lot of weight to the cars after qualifying there's points to be earned in qualifying so there's a balance of like do I want to go try to earn those points versus like the rewards weight I think I think it's way too hard to like game that system like you're trying to like back off a few tents so you fall like not within too much weight and I mean so I, I, I guess the on the incentives side it still feels like the incentive is because there's so much uncertainty yeah. you just have to go out and do your best yeah I mean that's that's kind of where I was getting to is like there's, there's no way to know, so you might as well just go for it. And, like, even if you have rewards weight, at least you're starting at the front. So then you can, like, outrace the person behind you, even if, like, they've had enough weight where you've, like, slowed down to be on their pace. 
So I, I don't think it changes much from a driver's perspective. I think you're just going to go for it. Unless like you're someone who has so much of a gap and so much control of your lap time, but I think yeah. it's so hard. Um, so I think I've mentioned a few times that you're consistently running in the front uh, or near the front. In your first year, who's been your favorite person to race against and why? Race against? Um, I think I've had a number... Like there was ups and downs with this. We had like a number of really good races with Austin Hurdle, but there were like two times that our cars came together that were super unfortunate. Um, it's like NCM, we had a, a ton of great battles, um, but then like at Lime Rock and qualifying, we were like kind of like running together and working through some of the traffic. So such a small track that was like catching the tail of the field so fast. Sure. And I was behind him, and a number of like cars ahead of us saw a yellow flag, and they all checked up, and I was like kind of like looking around Austin and couldn't quite see the yellow coming and the stack up coming. That so when sucks. He breaks, I got in the back of him a little bit. So that was like super unfortunate. Um, and then Topeka, we were having like another great battle. And then like, I, had a, I had a brake pedal failure. The balance bar on the car actually broke, like going into a braking zone when I was trying to make a pass on him and we touched doors a little bit. That's so scary. Um, but like I was trying to, mac- like, I was trying to maximize getting away from him as much as possible like i'm sacrificing the car completely and like i ended up after we touched my car spun and like luckily like relatively little damage on both cars that's pretty lucky um but like he's been just a super good dude hanging out in paddock and having a good time and really good racing um with the 2023 season coming up i know that gold pass tickets went on sale and um uh, take rate on, on Gold Pass was really, really high. So Gridlife is really, really grateful that we continue to get support from our racers. Uh, what events are you going to this year, and which ones are you most excited about? Um, so I'm doing Coda plus all the festival events. Okay. So all the, all the points-paying GLTC events. I haven't decided on the other ones, but that's just schedule and sure. budget and everything else. Um, there's a few that I, mean, I would like to go to even to hang out, but we'll just see how the schedule shakes out. So um, I think you're kind of in an interesting place because um, I think a lot of the people that listen to our show and come to our events uh, don't often consider the more arrive and drive route mm-hmm. and they own trucks and they own trailers and they work on cars and they do all these things. And like um, it makes certain things logistically really hard. Yeah. What's, what's been the counter experience? Like uh, what are the things you like so much about the way you choose to do it? Um, I mean, one, like it would take me so long to get like that mechanical expertise to like build that reliable car. That's going to be like constantly consistent and ready for me. Um, Andy has been like absolutely phenomenal in keeping the car running every time. Like there's a problem that we've had, like we have an ABS fault or we had a tire get cut at NCM or we had a transmission go at Coda I mean, like, it's fixed, like, faster than I can even help hand tools to them. Sure. So that's been pretty incredible. Um, and, and being a part of that, like, group of people, it's just, like, it's a big group of friends that are kind of like a family that everyone's trying to pitch in. But it's definitely definitely a different route, like, the arrive and drive style. Like, you're, you obviously have to pay for it a little bit. Like, it's going to be more, maybe more expensive. I mean, I don't know. Like, a, a truck payment's a lot. And, yeah. and owning a trailer is a lot, and storing a trailer is a lot, and yeah. maintaining uh, yeah. the the axles on a trailer is annoying, and like those things do add up. Yeah, I mean that was like the calculus that I was doing. Like I was, I'm still in like investment management. I still work a lot. I need to be able to be focused on that. And, like 
nights and weekends are hard to totally sacrifice, like work on a car. Um, it's like I, the trade-off is like I work hard so that I, I can like afford doing certain things. Like, sure. So I can do it that way. Like if I were to take a job that made it easier to like work at night, maybe I would like make less, but then I'm affording to like work on my own car. So it's like a different trade-off in that sense. So um, if, if you consider your, your rookie year being last year, what are your personal goals for 23? Personal goals for 23. Um, I mean, at the end of the year, I finished fifth in the championship. So I'd like to be any of the positions above, like fourth, third, second, first. Those would be pretty phenomenal goals. I would, for that, it's like a, a season goal. I think the other goal that I want to get is a, like a non-invert race win. Okay. It's a hard thing to yeah, do. Yeah, that's like a super hard thing. Like that's like one of the harder like a GLTC non-invert race win is like one of the harder things to do in motorsports. I think. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, it's a real challenge. What changes have you made to the car uh, since the off season, or is like since the off season began? Um, so we made a number of changes. Some of the things that Andy and Tom have figured out last year. Um, so we have new shocks on the car, new diff. Um, I think those are the two main changes. I, when we first built the car, we went a little bit more of the budget route, had tuner shocks on the car, just kept the stock diff in there. More of one of those things that are like, let's get into this before we start dumping like real money at the car. Sure. So um, kind of some pimpy Moton shocks and uh, a new diff, and it, it felt pretty pretty incredible out there today. I think we, we did the GLTC fun race a couple of hours ago. You finished third, fourth? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Pretty interesting, fun battle with uh, the top cars. So, so yeah, it was fun. Um, tomorrow I think will also be fun. But um, I look forward to watching you race. I like I like Mister Consistent and uh, uh, very very clean. And um, I hope you have a good season. Yeah. If you. people want to learn more about your race program, is there any place they can follow you? Uh, you can follow me at Waldbaum underscore Racing on Instagram. I think that's kind of where I put most of most of the information. Or just follow the ASM account as well because yep. they're posting everything about what we're doing. And right on. Getting worked on in the shop. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. It's yeah, been- absolutely. See you, buddy. Bye. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jabay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the pits at a grid live to say hello. Thank you.